Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and there is such good news to share with you with regard to, well, just the good news about the good news. Um, we hear all week long about some of the tough and challenging news about transgender issues, about uh, Christians attacking other Christians in different denominations of different, uh, you know, fundraising scams and you know pastors who are engaged in crimes and it's just it's awful to see all that happening but on good news friday we take the whole program basically and focus on the good news of the gospel so greg harris the president and ceo of through the bible is going to join us later on in the broadcast we're also going to get into your work and finding what it is that God has called you to do. Now, this is a big topic for a lot of people. There are so many people, especially younger people, who are wondering, you know, Lisa and I have six uh, kids that are either millennial or Generation Z between the two of us. And it always never ceases to amaze us how we'll have a conversation with them. They've all accomplished many great things in their lives. And, uh, you know, at relatively young age, the two older uh, kids are, let's see, Emily is, gosh, <laughs> M's 35 this year. Kevin will be 35 in a couple of weeks. Um, they go from 35 down to 26 in terms of age. But it's just, it, it's remarkable how sometimes the way they're weighing and measuring, do I pursue a job or grad school or moving or things like that, is different than what she, their mom and I did. You know, I mean, we... We just looked at stuff and said, okay, this is the way it is, and you got to make it work, so figure it out. And if you could find something that was very soul-fulfilling and gratifying, then that was an added bonus. But that seems to be more of a driving force with young people where the feelings kind of take over the, um, uh, the, the, over the facts. And there are a lot of people in this culture right now who would call themselves woke or progressive, and they it really have boiled it down to this simple. This is the way I feel, therefore that's a fact. And when it comes to moral absolutes and things of that nature, this is the way I feel, so these are my moral absolutes. And it, begin, it, it becomes my way of thinking, not somebody else's. Is it any wonder that the influence that we see uh, George Barna reporting in his American Worldview Inventory, for example, uh, indicates that the number of people, in, this is from the uh, last report, the number of people during the pandemic who said they believe in a moral absolute, moral standard, actually went up 6% during the pandemic, but the number of people who believe that the Bible is that source went down 6%. Yeah, people really do believe that they are the center of the universe. I mean, uh, John Roseman, great uh, child psychologist, had a, had a wonderful way to describe that. He said, yeah, we call that toddlerhood. I mean, when you think about it, if you've got toddlers in your world, we've got a two and a half year old granddaughter uh, who's very much the toddler and her nine month old younger son, younger brother, uh, our grandson, who is watching big sister and wants to do everything she's doing. He just, Nazareth follows her around. He's got a little walker with wheels on it and he just follows her around all over the house. What's Zipporah doing? I want to do it. What's she getting into? I want to do that. And it'd be interesting to see once he begins to walk, he gets mobile. You know, right now he's just kind of going through the thumb and opposing forefinger thing. So he's picking up stuff and grabbing stuff and pinching and uh, loves to grab my glasses and also likes to try to pull my beard out. Uh, <laughs> he's fascinated with my goatee. His dad has facial hair. Doesn't matter to him. Papa's got uh, that white thing. And all of a sudden I feel like I'm Jack Lemon in uh, uh, The Great Race. You know, he tried to pull me beard out right by the roots. You know, um, anyway. 
nonetheless. As more and more people are being guided by feelings, I guess it's no wonder that people who might have even grown up in Christian homes would either have a, a challenge finding that career calling that God has for them or would um, wind up going literally to the dark side. I was reading an account this week of a woman called Talia, or Talia Scroggins. This is a woman who, I was listening to Billy uh, Holloway's podcast, Billy Holloway's Playing With Fire podcast. Billy wrote a, a book on uh, the demonic and, and you know how people get into it, how they get out of it. And Talia uh, literally grew up in a Christian home. And she then somehow, she says, I kind of fell into the occult. I got into astrology. I got into witchcraft. I got into new age. Now, you know, people would say, well, gosh, if you were grew up in a Christian home, how could that possibly happen to you? I'll tell you. Pick me. Pick me. I'll tell you. How many people find it interesting to see what astrological sign you were born under? Now, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think it's fascinating. Now, I don't practice astrology at all I mean, you might remember uh, we had pastor joe amaral on the bottom line show probably six seven years ago and he wrote a book called story in the stars that basically takes the biblical narrative and overlays it on top of astrology and says hey if you start with the book of or with the book if you start with the uh, the sign of virgo the virgin birth and you take it all the way through to leo now you leo being the lion You've basically got the birth of Christ all the way through the line of Judah conquering death and hell. And it's a, it's a fascinating look at how God uses astrology to tell the story of Christ and redemption and this, that, and the other thing. But there are many people who get into, I have a Christian brother who worked for a secular radio company and his boss, he was getting hired by, it was probably the biggest job of his career. And the, uh, the, the guy who was the program director at the radio station, it was here in Los Angeles, was into um, readings and into numerology. And my buddy was called in for the final meeting. It was interesting because it was a morning show, this guy and this girl, and he was a devout evangelical, and the woman they'd hired to be the morning show hostess was a devout Catholic. And yet this guy literally told him on the day he was supposed to come in and sign his first contract, sorry, you can't sign it today. I haven't had my reading done yet. And I remember he called me because, do I want this job? I mean, this is crazy. I said, you are going to go and let your light so shine before others. He went and served God at this company for four years, working for a guy who was into numerology, who was into tarot cards and readings and this, that, and the other thing. And he served him faithfully, and it was a season that God allowed him to have great impact on people playing top 40 music and things like that. And then he moved into full-time ministry work, worked for a Christian radio station here in town, spent 20 years working for an ad agency that produced Christian media. He's since retired. It was great to see him, you know, have that, that type of calling. But there are other people who grow up with a Christian calling and they get around somebody like that. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're in the occult. Next thing you know, they're, they're not just, you know, saying, oh, that's interesting. Uh, my, my parents were both Geminis or my dad was a Taurus and my mom was a Libra or whatever, you know, just because of what they know when their birthdays are. But Talia Scroggins said she got into all this stuff and then all of a sudden she had an incredible interaction with the Lord that uh, just really turned her around. She said she was first introduced to the New Age in high school 
when someone she trusted in her family told her about astrology, they had this big textbook, she said, everything about astrology. And, and, I, and they were like, this describes your personality so perfectly. And I was caught off guard and I thought, how could it be true if God made us and made all of our personalities? How can the planet tell us that this is what you're going to be like? Well, then she started moving away from, you know, um, she said, you know, basically God created astrology as a system he put in order. And said, no, here's the deal. They gave me an explanation that turned out to be totally false, but it sounded so true. I didn't know the word of God enough, so I knew enough about God, but I didn't know what the Bible said about a cult. So she became an astrologer. She started telling people, hey, don't focus on God, focus on the stars. Don't focus on God, focus on witchcraft. You know, and it's, it's interesting. She said, I still went to church, but I worked as an astrologer who was leading people into the occult. And she said, now this is the part that I find very interesting. This is a woman who was using astrology as part of the occult to lead people astray, and yet she was a regular church attender. When she went to college, she said, you know, here's the deal. Um, I realized that I was disappointed in God because I had dreams, I had desires, and God wasn't answering my quest and questions in my time frame. I mean, I'm 18 years old at this time, and I was really mad that God didn't open the door that I wanted him to open. I mean, she said, I realize now it was spiritual immaturity, but astrology and the occult and witchcraft, that gave me instant answers, and that's what I wanted. So then it was depression, and then it was suicidal thoughts, and she said, I realized I had no reason to live, and one day a family friend of hers wound up intervening. She looked at me and she said, hey, you know what? Talia, today is your day of freedom. And I said, I don't know what that means. I have no will to live. I hadn't attempted to do anything, take my life, but inside I knew I was dead. And this woman just said, you can pray to do whatever you want. You know? And they wound up praying. And Scoggins said, in that moment, in that prayer, they cast out the spirit of death, they cast out the spirit of depression, they cast out the huge weights that were lifted. And she said, I realized now that that supernatural experience led me into an actual, meaningful relationship with Christ. She said, God healed me and set me free. So then over time, she started ditching the occultic practices and clinging to the Lord. She said it was amazing to her during the pandemic to see how many people had an interest in witchcraft and crystals and the occult all these things that were exploding online and that's where she her ministry is now she says she ministers to people online who are dabbling in that type of stuff there's a big difference between saying hey somebody was born on this day and it seems like the personalities of those people are very similar and not acknowledge that god is the creator of all god made each of us uniquely and directly and you know if if there is any kind of connection between, I thought Joe Amaral's book was fascinating. It's the only thing I've seen on it that actually tells that story. But Joe's a pastor. I mean, he's not leading people into the occult. But it's amazing how many people will say, well, you can't do this because when you were born, moon was over Venus and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. No, that's crazy. But I'm thrilled that God allowed Talia to go through this experience, that he walked with her every step of the way. And the fact that she realizes now it was her spiritual immaturity. It was her impatience. It was her desire for things that were of her 
and not of God that led her to say, I don't believe there's a God. I believe that the God is the God that I can control. It's amazing how many people are living life outside of Christ and choosing lifestyles that basically give them what they feel like is control over every aspect of their lives. Instead of being able to sing the song that we sing in church, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. I mean, that's what we, the essence of who we are. We surrender ourselves at the foot of the cross. We realize, we recognize that we're sinful people and we can't save ourselves. We have this desire because we have been given the gift of faith. We have this desire to be in relationship with God and we recognize that we can't in our current sinful state. So we pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and we, re- we receive the gift of salvation that says, yes, I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. If Jesus doesn't pay the penalty for my sin, my faith is meaningless. If I don't receive that gift, it's meaningless. It's like, I use the example often. It's like someone telling me, Roger, there's $10 million in the bank with your name on it. All you have to do is go to the bank and say, that's me. And it's amazing how many people would say, oh, I'm not going to go do that, using that analogy. I'll just go rob the bank and take the money anyway instead of going to the actual account where my debt has been paid in full. We'll put this story up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's very, very encouraging. And it's nice to find somebody who has found her career, but also found her calling. Her calling now is she had to walk through a decade of being a, a member of the occult to be able to minister to people who want to come out of that. That's not just a job, that's soul work. And that's a term that I just discovered in meeting a new friend through a new book uh, that stresses that very, very issue. Dr. Lowell Busenitz is the author of a brand new book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. How do you know if God is calling you to a certain line of work? How do you discover, that? I mean, this is kind of wild to think about, that Jesus really takes, it, it's not like you go to work, earn a living, and then you go to the throne of grace and Jesus goes, hey, how was your day? Uh, Lowell has put this together and when you haven't had a chance to meet him and now have a chance to bring him to the program, when you hear the passion that he had and finding that after six years of full-time ministry, his real ministry was in the construction field, you're going to be impressed. Dr. Lowell Businitz is joining me coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, very special conversation today here on The Bottom Line as it pertains to something that we hear about all the time. The job market is going great. People are finding work. Wages are up. People are satisfied, you know, whatever they're doing. And yet, sometimes you see people who are changing work. They're changing jobs. They're looking at their focus and saying, hey, wait a minute. I mean, I'm a believer 
and I believe that God created me for a purpose, and I'm just not feeling it on my job. How can you find God in your entrepreneurial pursuits, whether it's starting a business or just doing the work that you do? Dr. Lowell Businitz is uh, joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, this is a guy who got involved in campus ministry after graduating from college. He served with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for a while and then moved into the construction world and became an entrepreneur and earned his PhD in management from Texas A&M University. He's the author, he's retired now, but he's the author of a brand new book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Lowell Businitz, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Great to be with you, Roger. Thank you so much. You know, it's interesting. When we talk about work, sometimes I'll never forget being a counselor at a youth camp. This was many, many years ago. And we were just having a meeting of the counselors while the kids were off doing devotions or whatever. And, and the, 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 the icebreaker for the day was, describe your ideal day. And everyone in the room, they went through and they asked, you know, what, what's your ideal day? It was fishing, it was hunting, it was, you know, skiing or whatever they were doing. And for me, I just started in radio. I said, it's four hours on the air and four hours in the studio. And people looked at me funny like, well, no, we're talking about your ideal day. And I said, this is my <laughs> ideal day. I mean, this is what I really love to do and feel called to do. And I was 21 years old. And 40 years later, God has blessed me in still being able to do this. How many people do you come in contact with, Dr. Busnitz, who are saying, you know, I don't feel fulfilled here, and I think maybe God has this, you know, entrepreneurial bent for me, but how do I know it's God that's telling me this? Yeah, great, uh, really great question. And and one of the things that that really drove me to write this book is, is, is some of, one, my own experience, but also just hearing so many People say, "Yeah, I I don't like my work. I um, I'm doing it. Uh, I get a, get the paycheck, uh, but you know, it's and uh, when I go to church, that's uh, and do things for the church. That's that's my uh, that's my real work. Or maybe I need to think about switching to a job with a nonprofit uh, mm -hmm. of some sort to uh, to get to that. Um, but uh, but you know." I, I just work is a one of the interesting things that came to me over my uh, different careers. I came to came to see that work became a major catalyst for my journey with the Lord, hmm. uh, and uh, and it isn't that takes it beyond even just. Uh, I'm going to take God to work with me, and in fact, a lot of people don't even connect. Sunday and Monday, you know, Sunday is, is the faith day. Uh, right. and, and Monday is the work day and, and the two don't meet, uh, others, they can, uh, connect and yeah, I'll kind of figuratively speaking, put God in my, in my pocket and uh, hopefully I'll engage in ethical decision-making and take opportunities to love others, um, and so forth and carry out Christian principles. And, that, and that's great. But uh, I think work is so much more than that. It's not that it's, that certainly is part of it, but, but actually work is a major catalyst for our, our journey with the Lord. And after all, he's omnipresent, right? Right. right. <laughs> he's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And he's already at work when we get to work. We don't have to put him <laughs> in our pocket to take him to work. Right. Um, right. And, and so, 
so how do we, so the question then becomes, how do we connect with him there? And so that's the journey. Yeah. The book Soul Work is up at thebottomlineshow.com by Dr. Lowell Boos, and it's finding God in your entrepreneurial pursuits. Lowell, let's talk about this because, I mean, you mentioned God's already there. Um, I know there are people who will, you know, give a, a prayer in recognition of his presence in their lives and also on the job. But you're t- challenging us a bit more not to say, here's how to find the perfect job, but rather to say, okay, wait a minute, your work should be more than just the paycheck. It should be more than just checking off the boxes and getting all the widgets counted or you know mailed or whatever they're doing. The, the, the work has a purpose in terms of being productive and fruitful, but also it has a spiritual purpose too. Talk about some ways that we can maybe rethink for the, someone who's been working a job for a while and they're really kind of coming up spiritually empty on it, some ways that we can identify God's presence in the work that we do, not just the people that we work with, but the actual work itself. Yeah. 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 Let me offer a a couple different directions on that. Uh, One is innovation. Um, I just think the opportunity to engage with creating something new to working, whether, whether that's working with, uh, people, whether that's trying to figure out an organization and how it can, where people are getting uh, blocked and, and, and how we can restructure things to make it more efficient and, and people being appreciated, or whether we're trying to design a new, uh, uh, a new software to, uh, to better uh, manage how we uh, interact with, with customers or we're figuring out how um, you know how different types of sand could uh, could impact what we uh, what we do with the concrete we make or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find that innovation is an amazing opportunity to to connect with the thumbprints of God. That mm. God's creation is everywhere, and when we innovate, we invariably dig much deeper into some aspect. Of, mm. of God's great creation, whether it's in how he created people and that organizations that are designed or our organization is designed this way uh, versus this way, it works much better uh, because this is how the people are made or whether it's, it's coming in touch with, uh, I mentioned sand or lumber. You could, you know, there's so many different kinds of sand for so many different things. Uh, there are so many different kinds of trees that have so many different great functional uh, uses and and not so functional uses. You know, you, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. put yellow, you know, you put one kind of wood where it gets external exposure and it rots in in two three years. Uh, mm. Redwoods and so forth last for years and years and years. Uh, but those are, you know, I, when I was in construction work, I mean, remember being just awed by uh, by the different kinds of wood and their different uses and functionality and in cabinet building, the different ambiance that, that different wood grains and so forth gave to it. And it's like, I remember it hitting me like, wow, God, you are so amazing to create all these different kinds of trees and hear how this wood meals and works and and the pluses and the and, and advantages of this over another kind of wood. Uh, and really, those are all signposts, if you please, pointing us to God. And and I and and in our work, then 
you know, when I was in construction work, I I literally got to hold and mill and and saw and hammer into place all these different <laughs> sticks of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's really holding God's thumbprint there on and his design in, in creation. So, you know, this, uh, so I think well, the, innovation is great. Soul Work is the name of the book we're talking about today here on The Bottom Line, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits, written by my guest, Dr. Lowell Businitz. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're also giving away a copy of the book today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Lowell Businitz is my guest. I don't know why I keep munching his name today. He's the author of a brand new book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. And there's a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away a copy of the book right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I know that uh, Fridays can be good days for people who don't really like their jobs. Yay, the weekend's coming. <laughs> Sometimes they're frustrating. I love working. I would work seven days a week if my wife, wife would let me, but uh, you know, that's, that's the way that she's like, honey, sweetie. I mean, how much more can you read? But when you find God in the work that you're called to do, we realize that we are called to do everything as unto the Lord. And I think of the words of uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Remember, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. The, the name of the game is, to perfectly be honest with you, is to find work that is meaningful and work that is fulfilling. And here's the thing. It's not like God says, I created you a certain way, and then you're never going to be able to live out those gifts. But oftentimes I think the problem where there's frustration is people find themselves pursuing things that were their heart's desire, but they aren't necessarily their soul's calling. And that's why I'm grateful that we're having this conversation with Lowell Businitz today here on The Bottom Line about the book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. We'll have more of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own, and by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often, even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. Uh, this, and this is a powerful concept that Dr. Lowell Businitz is sharing with us today here on The Bottom Line. It's included in his book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. 
Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You're speaking very passionately about construction, Lowell, about things that guys like me would just kind of gloss over. Okay. You know, there, there's wood around the frame of the window. Yay. You know, there, what kind of trees we have? Green ones. I don't, I mean, literally that way, but I, I, I can hear the enthusiasm. What was the aha moment like for you? I mean, you worked for, was it InterVarsity for six years out of college before you went into yeah. construction? I mean, what, who was the mentor that came alongside and said, Lowell, I think ministry is great, but you're real ministry is with wood you know uh i mean it, it there was no mentor actually you know and when i made the discovery about wood uh and just god just touched my heart somehow through that it was it was really um you know and it just kind of stayed there uh mm-hmm. i didn't you know i remember thinking on in worship on sunday morning wow you know i kind of wish i could kind of shout that out somehow or another mm-hmm. about how how wood was uh was a thumbprint of god and uh and it brings me to my knees to worship him um i think i really started connecting with this concept started getting a little more explicit about it when i uh went to grad school and wrote my dissertation and and how entrepreneurs make decisions versus managers in, in large organizations and mm-hmm. And, 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 and that story really is a giftedness story. Hmm. Uh, and I think I, in my dissertation, really looked at how entrepreneurs make strategic decisions versus uh, managers and large organizations that hmm. entrepreneurs use a, a lot more heuristics, decision-making shortcuts and so forth to get to their decisions. And, mm-hmm. and it's really a giftedness story. And I think that's why I kind of stumbled across this idea. And, and for so long, uh, you know, I've been taught about the gifts in the church, uh, and and it seemed like, yeah, well, those are all relevant for the household of faith. Right. But the reality is, is that our giftedness is also very much relevant for the workplace. Hmm. Uh, and And I think that when we are able to take our giftedness to the workplace, all kinds of great things happen. Um, that, uh, that one, uh, other people are much more impacted by our work, colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, coworkers, customers who, uh, said, wow, you really have, have a, a niche there. You really, uh, uh, have an, have an edge on us and, and that is just, and wonderful. But I, I think it's also in, in terms of it being where the most satisfying work is, uh, but I, I think it also, when we function in our giftedness, I'll also add on to that um, talents, our our capabilities that we've been taught. That's kind of a little larger bucket, uh, mm-hmm. and there's some diff- some subtle differences in there. But within that, I think that when we when we use what what we're uh, good at, what we're gifted at, what we've been trained at, I think that not only parlays itself out into more productive work, but I think it gives us eyes to see our Father mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who has made us and, and, and the world that he's made us, and it gives us eyes to see the subtleties of, of the world that we're in and how people respond one way versus another way. 
that I think is it, it points it simply is another signpost that points us to him. Hmm. Boy, this is a powerful conversation with Dr. Lowell Businitz today here on the bottom line. His book is called Soul Work: Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, one of the things you write about in this book, Dr. Businitz, is the fact that uh, you can identify God in your work. Sure, your work can deepen your faith. We've talked about that as well. But one of the things that I think many times we forget about, especially in a culture like ours, where work oftentimes is just seen as a means to an end, right? You need a paycheck, you got to pay bills, yeah. you know, go get a job. Yeah. And and I hear the passion and the excitement in your voice talking about construction. It's kind of the same way it was for me, you know, getting into broadcasting. And so it's kind of fun for the two of us to go back and forth on this thing. But <laughs> but you write about in the book how you can discover that Jesus actually takes a deep interest in the work to which you have been called and gifted to do. I don't want to run past yeah. that. I would love for you to unpack that for uh, us a little bit, because that's we've got people in all different walks of life and all different seasons of life listening, especially those who might be just winding down their working years and thinking, how do I spend my retirement years? Or do, I, do I pursue another vocation? And to find Jesus taking not only delight in what you're doing, but taking an interest in it just seems so humbling to me. Yeah, it really, it really is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, two things. Uh, one, Jesus used the workplace so many times to teach the concepts he wanted to teach. Over two thirds of the parables that he used are anchored in the workplace. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, my jaw just dropped. You got to be kidding me, really. Um, that's where that's where he was at for eighteen years. Say he went started working with his father, probably at about age twelve. Um, you know, and and he knows that that's where where people are at. <laughs> what mm -hmm. they um, what you know that's what's going on in their in their minds, and so he uses these examples about. Um, these, and turns them into parables about the houses built quickly on sand versus those that go down to bedrock. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, about the the um, builder or the owner who wanted a new building and forgot to count the cost, <laughs> or, yeah. uh, or was unrealistic. You know, I sometimes wonder if Jesus was the subcontractor on uh, on that <laughs> one. <laughs> Uh, he could well have been, or he went by that building half done uh, multiple times on the way to his work. Um, but I, you know, and I think when we, when, when we're able to see the thumbprints of God in our work as the master creator um, and, uh, and as the master orchestrator of events and, and so forth. You know, it's like it's an opportunity for us to 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 connect, uh, to hear his heartbeat. Uh, and I, I, you know, I mean, when I make a toy <laughs> for a child or my grandchild or something like that, and I see that they uh, really like that toy or, you know, I I teach in the classroom and, and I'm teaching a concept and I find people resonating with it and connecting with it and it changing their lives. Man, it just, you know, it warms my heart. 
mm. for that. And I, I think that's what the Heavenly Father does. I think when when we connect with his creation and what he's put together here in those sorts of ways, I think I think it it honors him, uh, not just thrills him. I think it honors him and and it and it should lead us to our knees, ultimately, if maybe on Sunday morning or, or other times uh, <laughs> uh, at the end of work that, wow, God, thank you for letting me participate in this, for being a part of this, to to uh, connect with you in this way. Dr. Lowell Businitz is with me today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. Whether you are young or young at heart, you're going to be blessed by this book, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Lowell, take the final moments of our time together here and give some encouragement to the person who is looking back on a career. Maybe they are just retiring Mm -hmm. now, and, and they still got some gas in the tank, still got some game left to play. But uh, for one reason or another, they're no longer doing, they're kind of stepping away from the work that God called them to, and they're looking for their next adventure. What words of wisdom Uh, do you have for the person in that season? Yeah, the fourth quarter of life. Um, You know, I love that question. And and, uh, in the midst of it myself, you know, and and I, um, so I, my advice, uh, I guess, would be, don't just, I'm, I'm glad for people who don't want to just go to the rocking chair. I think it's a great opportunity. Take what you have learned in life. We, you know, God is, is always in the, in the business of, of redeeming and clarifying our, our thoughts and wanting us to come before him. And so now you have more freedom than ever. Take the skills and capabilities that you have learned, your giftedness, uh, and, and carve out something. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's uh, putting several people together and going and doing something. But finding the organization, don't just, I don't want this to sound wrong, but don't just settle for a volunteer gig. Mm. Uh, not that volunteering is wrong in any way. No, it may be volunteering, but, but okay, I'm going to go and, and um, volunteer at the church to help take care of the facility, or I'm going to go and and volunteer for uh, an organization that works in these re- in a retirement village or something. Well, if that's if that's your giftedness, great. But if it's not your giftedness, of all times in your life, what a great opportunity to kind of take inventory of what's happened in your life, opportunities that you've had to grow, what's really resonated with you, and and how in hindsight maybe you didn't take full advantage of it, but God really used some things that you did uh, and you felt closest to God when you did certain things. So take that and, and uh, re reformulate it uh, into something that, uh, that you can do to, uh, to more clearly hear the heartbeat of God before we get to see him face to face. Great words of counsel from Dr. Lowell Businitz today here on The Bottom Line. I highly recommend his book called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Businitz, thank you so much for the work that you've done and for uh, kind of lighting a fire of spiritual passion in our hearts today with regard to our work and our entrepreneurial pursuits, regardless of what season of life we're in. Lowell, thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. You are so welcome. Thank you. And that concludes my conversation with Dr. Lowell Businitz. I know he doesn't, didn't really care for me calling him doctor, but he doesn't have a PhD. 
And uh, I love the fact that he is so passionate about his work, so passionate about uh, the work that which God has called him. And his brand new book reflects that. Uh, the book is called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have a copy of the book to give away right now. I love having giveaways on Good News Friday days. And maybe this is the book that you will read and you'll have a dialogue about it with somebody who is important to you in your world. And you'll be able to say, okay, I think I finally understand now what God is calling me to do. 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have one copy of this book by Dr. Lowell Busenitz called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. And this is something, especially for those of us who are in our senior years, and maybe you're winding down that I spent 30, 35 years in a certain profession, and now it's time to either stop working because I don't want to, I physically can't do it anymore, or maybe your job is saying, hey, you know, you're 62, you're 65, and, and uh, make sure that you've got your retirement paperwork in order. Um, I encourage uh, bottom line listeners to contact Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services when you're getting close to retirement, even if it's just a couple, three years away, to make sure you have your ducks in a row so that you have the resourcing to be able to fund your retirement. And these, these new opportunities Dennis has, the 7% CD alternative, that's a real estate investment trust, real estate backed investment is back. The 13% program, oh my goodness, what a golden opportunity uh, for you to literally lock in guaranteed rates where you're not gonna lose any money and you're going to get a 13% return. You're not going to find that anywhere. Call Dennis at 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for more information on how you can take advantage of these programs as you uh, consider what Lul uh, Busenitz and I were talking about, about finding God in your entrepreneurial pursuits. This is the season of life where you are less encumbered and you can actually pursue the things that you really want to you know, that you really feel called to do. But take the time to figure out what the calling really is. How much of that calling is what you are hearing God telling you versus what you want to do. I mean, it's a really beautiful uh, continuum here where you see the meshing of your gifts, your talents, your strengths, your weaknesses, your liabilities, the things that really light you up, as my dad used to say when he talked about watching me in the broadcast studio saying, man, this lights you up, doesn't it? And then the idea that God has a place for you to use those gifts. He's, the, he's a God of cul-de-sacs, uh, never a God of dead ends. So you may be stuck in a place where it doesn't feel like you're moving forward, but God has a bigger calling. Speaking of bigger callings, we're gonna take a look at a bigger calling uh, for a guy who had reached pretty much the highest stage you could get in his profession. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dr. Lowell Busenitz for on this Good News Friday, our guest today here on the program talking about soul work and finding God in your entrepreneurial pursuits, uh, how to identify God in your work, make sure that you are doing the work to which you are called. Also discovering that Jesus really does take a deep interest in your work and how working at the jobs that God has called you to or the missions that God has called you to actually deepens your faith in that connection. We've got one copy of the book, Soul Work to Give Away, and I just love it when we have giveaways on Good News Fridays. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, you know, it's interesting when people find their calling and or what they think is their calling, and oftentimes, they get to a certain point where they're like, oh yes, this is exactly what I think God wants me to do. 
And then all of a sudden something happens and it seems like living out their faith winds up costing them their job. Um, well, that's, that's been happening a lot, especially in the sports world. Uh, all this push for the pride demonstrations in Major League Baseball and LGBTQ nights, the National Hockey League and things like that. More and more players are stepping up and saying, hey, you know what? This is my, you know, th- this is my calling to be a professional football player or whatever it is. But also, you know, I realized that the cultural tides say this is the way we're supposed to act. This is the way we're supposed to live. And um, I say supposed to in air quotes. And there's going to be some backlash from a culture that does not want disagreement, that demands total compliance, that will tell you, oh, we're all about tolerance. We're all about accepting and welcoming. Everyone's welcome here. And there's no exceptions to our love, blah, blah, blah. Until you say, well, here's what I believe. I mean, any psychologist who's worth their weight will tell you that the key, the essence of any strong relationship is not how much you have in common. It's how you work through the things with which you disagree. Go to somebody's home to watch the big game, Super Bowl, World Series, whatever it is. If everybody in the room likes one team, then there's kind of peace and harmony while they're cheering for their team to either win or lose. Ask those people questions about other parts of their spiritual life or their political journey or whatever, and you'll find that they're different people. But if you're that guy who says, well, every time I go to the restaurant and they got the big screen on and all the Rams fans are there cheering or whatever, we all get along, right? Well, no, the essence of the strength of your relationship is what happens when a Republican marries a Democrat, what happens when a Catholic marries a Protestant. I mean, you know, th- those are the places where you find out how strong the relationship is. And more and more, we're finding people who have uh, ascended to a certain uh, level of success in the sporting world who are coming under fire simply for stating their deeply and sincerely held religious beliefs. Now, I am not a big fan of the Boston Red Sox. I'm a California, Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim fan since I was seven years old. And I make no apologies. The Red Sox actually dealt the Angels one of the worst blows in Angels franchise history. In Game 5 of the American League Championship Series at the Big A, ninth inning, the Angels are ahead of the Red Sox, and Dave Henderson hits a three-run homer that gives the Angels the lead. They come back in the bottom of the ninth, the Angels do, and tie it up. Um, And then the Red Sox, with Dave Henderson at the bat once again, uh, score the winning run in the 10th. They go back to Boston. The Red Sox take the last two games and go to the World Series, where mercifully for us Angel fans, they lost to the New York Mets on that great call. Bill Bill Buckner at first base, poor guy. And uh, Vin Scully on the call. Mookie Wilson hits that little ground ball. Little roller be, uh, you know, along the first base line. Behind the bag, it gets past Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. I'll never forget that line. Um, it's so exciting. So, that's all of my way to say I don't like the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Matt Dermody, a former Red Sox pitcher, has given me even more reason not to like the, the Red Sox. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there was a young woman by the name of Tommy Lauren. Uh, she had a podcast and uh, has a podcast called Tommy Lauren is Fearless. And Tommy Lauren is an interesting young woman. She's that part of that blue-eyed, blonde, conservative, mid to late 20s type. She actually does support abortion, which got her into trouble with conservatives. I don't know where she is on the faith continuum, but she's still seen as kind of a clear-thinking conservative. Matt Dermody was a 33-year-old pitcher who had signed with the Boston Red Sox organization this year. He made one start 
for the Red Sox, and then the Red Sox released him. A spot start he made, and spot starts are when you know the regularly scheduled pitcher gets hurt, and they need someone just to they'll bring him up from the minors, and you uh, you know you, you you make the start in their place, and then they send you back down. This guy's 33; he's been around for a while. After he made his start, the Red Sox released him. Here's the deal: uh, Matt Dermody was called up to make the start in June against the Cleveland Guardians. He had pitched nine games for the Red Sox AAA affiliate. It used to be in Pawtucket. I don't know where it is right now. And then he was released. And apparently, he gave up. Well, he pitched four innings. He gave up three runs. Uh, the very next day, he was designated for assignment. When you're DFA'd, that means you're placed on waivers. You're cut from the team. Um, he cleared waivers 10 days later. He was then assigned to oh, Worcester's, where they have him. He was then assigned to their AAA affiliate on June 11th, and then five days later, they released him from that contract. That's just all contractual, contractual things. But basically, what happened is apparently, shortly after he made the start, someone in the Red Sox organization came across a tweet that he had posted on Twitter that basically said, he wrote, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, they'll go to hell. Uh, he said, may we all examine our hearts, ask Jesus to forgive us and repent of our sins. I love you all in Christ Jesus. Now, this was treated in June of 2021. Ostensibly, it was about uh, Pride Month and that type of stuff. Apparently, um, <laughs> the Red Sox got a hold of that tweet, and he says that they... Um, he said it's not, it's far from a homophobic tweet, but basically he um, he said that he posted it out because he didn't want people to go to hell. He's now saying that the Red Sox got a hold of the tweet, someone made it apparent to them, and after he made that spot start, they wound up cutting him. They wound up firing him for his faith. So does that mean he's going to back down from his Christian faith to see if he can get a spot with another major league team? Well, I'll give you the answer to that question in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. You have a few moments left to get in on the drawing 
for this outstanding book by Dr. Lowell Busen. It's called Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're giving away a copy of the book today. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line we're taking a look at the case of matt dermody uh matt up until june the 8th was a pitcher with the boston red sox he did one spot he did nine minor league assignments at worcester triple a uh, earlier this year they called him up for a spot start when one of their starters got hurt he threw four innings gave up three runs on june the 8th and then was immediately DFA'd, designated for assignment. That means they put him on waivers. He cleared waivers. That means you get a new contract. They put him back in AAA, but then five days later, they fired him. And he said, you know, during the pandemic in 2021, that was when he had a spiritual renaissance. He goes, I lost my job. He'd pitched with, uh, uh, with Cleveland, and uh, he'd also pitched with the uh, uh, Chicago Cubs at one point. And he said, look, I'm not homophobic. <laughs> I just didn't want to go to hell. He's now married to the woman he was dating at the time. She was a Christian, and she basically asked him the question, if you died tonight, would you be going to heaven or going to hell? And he said, I basically bought a Bible just to get her off my back, and I started reading it, and then I was super convicted with the life that I was living. And so basically, he said, I realized that I saw it was living in a country that had a huge identity crisis. You know, we're trying to make men think they're women and women think they're men. And, you know, but he says, basically, I don't want to, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't want people to go to hell. Now, it's interesting because when he was dismissal, uh, dismissed, a uh, reporter from the Boston Globe interviewed Jet Red Sox general manager Brian O'Halloran and um, asked him why he was DFA. Did the tweet have anything to do with it? And he said, well, we want to give the opportunity to other players. Certainly, we consider everything that became public with regard to his Twitter activity. That was something that also factored into the decision. We factor everything else in. And then he said, the Red Sox apologized if that tweet caused people to feel hurt. Okay, so uh, the Red Sox made it clear they DFA'd him because of the tweet. But the question we have to ask is, uh, is Matt Dermody now done as a baseball player? He said he's still pursuing it, but he's pursuing it on God's terms as a Christian athlete. And I hope and pray he lands with a team that will give him the opportunity to not only show his excellence in baseball, there aren't that many players that make it to the bigs, but to also do so glorifying God in the process. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Rabbi Schneider's coming up next, Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, coming up, our monthly visit with Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. We will have that conversation coming up next as the bottom line continues. From the studios of KBRT in Los Angeles, the flagship affiliate of The Bottom Line Show, I'm Roger Marsh. Welcome to this edition of The Bottom Line Show, our monthly visit with Greg Harris the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. Uh, Greg, you're getting your frequent flyer miles back up, so I'm glad we've got a chance <laughs> to uh, get you in studio. Thanks for being with us on the program again today. Good to be here. Good to be back in the U.S. Always good yeah. to be home. I'll bet. I'll bet. And, and your wife can actually say that now. I mean, now that you've learned yes. how to be home and be on the road, you know, yeah. you guys, it's nice. Yeah, we've talked about that. You know, she she actually has said, you know, I, I miss you when you go away now. And and that's that's because of COVID. So praise mm -hmm. God for that, because we yeah. got to spend a lot more time together. And she realized 
I think that she actually was glad that she married me at least <laughs> much of the time. <laughs> yeah, she stopped saying, "Hey, you, why are you in my yeah, husband's office?" That's, but that's, that's that's good to know. Hey, you, you, as you've been traveling again, it's nice to been getting the stories and hearing, of course, the letters that never stopped coming in during the pandemic. But your firsthand experiences, you, you and Steve, you know, board members for yeah. through the Bible, getting a chance to travel. And you, we were talking about, okay, what are we going to discuss this month? You mentioned a country, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. If I think I'm like a lot of people, when I hear the word Bangladesh, the yeah. first thing I think of is George Harrison. And that's about <laughs> it. You know I mean? Quite frankly, I mean, we don't really give yeah. it a lot of thought. How long has TTP been there? What's happening? Give us an update. Well, so for those who want to pull out their phones, look on Google Maps, Bangladesh is uh, east of India. It's uh, and and like many of the countries of the world, it's it's not it's not even really a shape you can describe. It's kind of long, from uh, north to south, and and I, I'm glad you you pointed that out, Roger. It is a country people have heard about, but most people don't know where it is. They have no idea there are 170 million souls living wow. in Bangladesh. That I'm pretty sure mm. that puts it in one of the top ten countries of the world, population wise. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It is 98 plus percent Muslim. Uh, it is not particularly welcoming of, of the gospel or of uh, Christians. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, we have been there. Uh, it's it, We've been there only in the last uh, really about eight eight years or so. And you might say, well, why, why not? You're the whole word to the whole world. Well, and I won't get into the technical reasons, but in the past, uh, our partner, Transville Radio, couldn't actually get a decent radio signal in there. Mm. Um, and so we started doing uh, this home group movement a number of years ago when it started taking off in India, they they brought brought it to Bangladesh. And this is extraordinary, in my opinion, Roger. We now have over 4000 of these home groups that meet wow. weekly studying mm -hmm. through the Bible systematically in the country of Bangladesh. It's amazing when you think, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm also in awe of the fact that knowing it would take as long as it did to reach a nation of 170 million people, uh, knowing that with Islam being the dominant religion there, it's not going to be as friendly to anything that has to do with the West, let alone Christianity. But then to see that in just a relatively short period of time, 4,000 home groups have, have emerged and to see that grow exponentially, it's, a, you know, God's a God of multiples, right? I mean, when you get right down to it. And, it and is. You're, and you're seeing that leverage happening. We are. And and here's something, you know, I always want to make sure people understand. When they think of a, of a home group, you naturally think of your own, you know, a home Bible study that you've been a part of. And that's great. That's awesome. But let's be honest. Most of us uh, who join a home Bible study, you know, 90% of the people in that study are Christian, if not 100%. Right. right. It, here in, in Bangladesh, they told us one third of the people in these home groups. And so you figure it's probably about set, uh, an average of about 10 people in a group. They actually don't let them get too big and then they split and multiply. Mm -hmm. uh, of those 40,000 people in those groups, uh, about a third of them are unbelievers. Mm. Um, wow. And, and and there is even Hinduism is is not it's not the dominant religion, but, but because it's right next to India and that part of the world, there are there are Hindus that are in these groups and Muslims. And, mm. you know, Roger, it, it's just you have to sort of change your whole mental paradigm when you think about the rest of the world here in the States. You know, nobody wants to talk about religion. Uh, you know, it's considered offensive, you know. In the rest of the world, even though persecution can be a problem, 
there's this strange uh, juxtaposition of an openness to, to talking about religious uh, matters. And so that's why you can say, hey, we're, we've got this group and we study the Bible systematically. Would you like to join us? And a Hindu might say or a Muslim might say, yeah, I'd like to learn what the Bible has to say. And right. so it's really wonderful that that's happening. The evangelistic impact is incredible. Yeah. And it, something else, too, and I think this is something the, the Western church can learn from the different groups, the different languages that through the Bible is leading and forming and seeing, you know, grow from there is the fact that when you talk about taking the whole word to the whole world, the focus of the ministry, first and foremost, is preaching the gospel. It's teaching the word of God. It's, it's helping to disciple people the way it is. And oftentimes I get the sense, this is what I kind of took out of the pandemic, how the American church needs to have more of that focus, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel as it goes, as opposed to go into all the world and register new voters, you know, or, or whatever, which, which are worthwhile causes, but they're not job one. And it seems like as through the Bible has made that taking the whole word to the whole world job one, God has blessed and continues to bless. Well, he has. And, and, you know, I want to be careful not to, you know, I'm not piling on the, the American church, but my observation as I've traveled the world for more than 30 years and, uh, and been involved in local churches in my own life is, you know, there's a, there's something I think we need to be rebuked by the scriptures ab ab about and, and, and rebuke is a positive thing. A rebuke yeah. means, you know, Hey, let's, the, the scriptures are to correct us. And I think sometimes uh, we, we feel like it's not enough to just study systematically the Bible that we need a special book that someone has written, or we need to, and, and again, God uses all of it, but let's, let's not, throw out the baby with the bathwater is right. what I'm saying. And right. we see, I mean, every time you and I have a standing joke, right? That, that every time we prepare to do these, that I, I have so much more content. I mean, look, some, <laughs> now they can actually see. Yes. Have, these are just, I have piles of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this literally is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and, and I have uh, screens up on my computer. I have reports from all over the world. And, and every time I prepare for one of these uh, times where you and I get to talk, I am reminded and rebuked that this is what happens when you just teach the word of God simply, explain right. it, and, mm -hmm. and focus on letting people see what God has done, and then they'll, they'll figure out what to do. Yeah, they certainly will. Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, is with me today here on The Bottom Line for our monthly visit, ttb.org. So you were talking about Bangladesh and the fact that we've got the, you know, if I'm just doing the numbers here, 170 million people, and you've got 40 to 50,000 people in these home groups. Yeah. But that has grown dramatically just in the past few years. What kind of feedback are you getting? Do you have any letters you can share directly? I mean, I, I, not that I, my numbers, my, my accounting background goes into play and I start going, yes. well, if they've got to this far by this far, then maybe with it. But yeah, I know that you guys are just no huddle offense, right? Shotgun, <laughs> you, you lift your leg and wait for the center to snap that. I mean, that's where you, you're, it's not like you're saying we want to reach a million people by 2035 or something right. like that. Right. Well, and and you're right. It is. It, it, some people could say, well, you only have 40,000 people in a country of 170 million. Well, you know, Jesus started with 11. Right. right? And, right. and 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 now we're, we have a couple billion people that that call themselves followers of Jesus on Earth. And um, you have to you got to go with God's uh, time frame. And to me, it's extraordinary to have this level of um, 
of engagement in a country that is basically hostile to the gospel. So, yeah, uh, yeah we the biggest thing that we did when we were there was we met with the what are called the the coordinators of these 4000 home groups. There's a lot of structure, even though we talk about a no huddle offense, et cetera. What part of our no huddle offense is we we see who's being used by God and we we resource them and with content and with some funding and we empower them and we give them our philosophy. We train them so they know what through the Bible is all about. And then we let them run their own pattern. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah. the and the they get in the end zone a lot more than if we told them what to do. (laughs) And so uh, it was such a thrill, Roger. We had a meeting with, uh, there are about 18 coordinators that oversee 4,000 home groups. I mean, just kind of do the math on that and figure, you know, each of these coordinators is overseeing hundreds of of small groups. And we heard heard all kinds of wonderful testimonies. We heard about, uh, about Muslims that were stepping into these groups and just simply in a, in a simple study of the Gospel of Luke, learning that Jesus Christ was God, what he did for us on the cross, and and giving their lives to Christ. We heard about uh, about churches that were really kind of dying and struggling, and they would bring this program in and say, look, if you get all the people in your church to, to join these home groups and listen, and the church would just get turned around, and it would uh, – the church – would go from being a dying church to a church that was raising up leaders and having dynamic ministries. And so these are the kind of things that, that are happening and, and they're not, uh, they're not an anomaly. They're, they're the norm of what we see when we teach people the word of God. Boy, that is so encouraging to hear that that is the norm. It's not the exception. It is the rule. And uh, it's encouraging to see that they are being encouraged by what you're, they're learning from through the Bible. Greg Harris with me today here on the bottom line. I'm Roger Marsh. TTB.org. Greg is the president and CEO of Through the Bible, and we're getting our monthly update from him as to what's happening as we continue. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation about Bangladesh, and also uh, oftentimes when we think of Through the Bible, we think of the radio ministry of Dr. J. Vernon McGee, but what about the television ministry? There's some fantastic things that are happening in that area. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But 
The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Greg Harris is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh here in the studios of KBRT, the flagship affiliate for The Bottom Line show. Every month, Greg is generous, and this is one of the busiest guys you will ever meet. One of the nicest guys, but one of the busiest guys in terms of international travel and the work of Through the Bible that has such a huge impact with a pretty Spartan operation in terms of staff and things like that. I mean, Greg, you and I have both been a part of ministries that have layers and layers and layers of overhead. And um, we, well, I guess using our no huddle offense analogy, we don't wear a lot of pads either. You know, we just get out there and, you know, we got the old helmets with no face mask. Yeah, I mean, that's we're right. Really just, leather. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We look like, you know, Red Grange or Jim Thorpe. Um, <laughs> but off, I, I use the older analogies because we were talking before the break about how many people think of through the Bible as literally having old reel-to-reels and grease pencils yeah. and tape and all that stuff. Because of Dr. McGee and the fact that he recorded these this five-year cycle in the 70s, so much more has happened. I mean, you're in Bangladesh now. You're in Uganda. I mean, it's just, it's really remarkable. And it's radio-driven, but it's also television-driven as well, too. You've got an update on the satellite TV aspect of Through the Bible. Share that with us, if you would. Yeah, and, and the the philosophical underpinning is that we are media agnostic. In other words, uh, we are not married to one medium. Um, I often like to say jokingly, if carrier pigeons were cost effective, we'd use <laughs> carrier pigeons, you know. Um, and so through the Bible, which you are correct, Roger, and I appreciate you calling this out, people tend to think of us as a radio ministry. Now, we still do a ton of radio and probably our number one uh, expense or investment, I should say, is in the medium of radio here in North America and around the world. But having said that, we are very aggressively moving into new delivery platforms. We've talked about home groups and the power of tens of thousands of home groups. And they, they're using, they're not using a radio. They're using a media player that has an SD card or a USB stick. They're, it's, it's offline, so to speak. Um, but these groups are very powerful. We're also uh, distributing media players uh, around the world in some very exciting ways uh, in, in uh, places where their pastors need training or uh, or whether there's a refugee camp where we can get players. But about 10 years ago, the Lord in this no huddle offense that we've been kind of having fun with the analogy, the Lord sort of uh, opened up a, a wide receiver 
who said, hey, let's try television. And mm. I remember uh, this was a little more than 10 years ago when I was with a good friend and I said, hey, you know the Middle East way better than I do. Yeah, this is a man who is uh, Middle Eastern by birth, was the Arabic voice of Dr. McGee on the radio in the 90s. So he understands through the Bible. He knows the Middle East, one of the most respected leaders that I know in the Middle East. And I said, what would you do if you were me? And he said, television. And my heart kind of sank. I went, I said to my friend, his name's Hana. I said, Hana, I don't know anything about television. I'm a radio guy. I understand that. But, and he said, well, I know a few people, maybe we can do some pilots. Well, that has grown into that simple conversation, which by the way, a lesson I learned in that is never underestimate the power of a, a good question and what it mm. can do for you. Yeah. Um, I One of my problems, my wife reminds me of this, is I like to talk. And sometimes uh, I learn more by asking questions and not talking. Fortunately, you're willing to listen to me, Roger. Course, and that's yeah. why we're always, friends. Always, always, always. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I mean, there is a time where we want to talk and share things. But there's also a time for asking questions, which you do very well, by the way. It's a Thank big you. part of, I think, your gifting and and why you're successful and and effective on on the media that you work on but uh this this simple question grew into a pilot test and then we said wow this looks like it really could happen and today we now are in uh, seven languages of a fully produced uh studio produced television program using dr mcgee's teaching and the main focus because it started in the middle east has been to try to reach the Muslim world or the 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 Muslim predominant world. And mm-hmm. so we started in Arabic. Then we went into Persian, which some people know is also called Farsi. But mm-hmm. um, that I've been told by Persians, that, that's like if you know someone who speaks Spanish and you say, do you speak Espanol? And then mm. in English, they'd say, no, I speak Spanish. So Persian, you know, Farsi is like the equivalent of Espanol. So a, a okay. Persian person mostly from Iran, but there are Persians everywhere nowadays, uh, speaks the the language of Farsi. Uh, Then we moved into Turkish. Then we moved into Urdu, which is the language of Pakistan. Um, uh, And we'll talk a little bit about Afghanistan because it's amazing what God has done through the Persian ministry to Afghanistan. And then finally, Indonesian. And those five languages cover most of the Muslim world. And that's really, really uh, exciting. And we're on multiple uh, satellite TV uh, networks and and channels. I don't even have count because we don't we actually don't have to pay often for the airtime. So they'll put us on two times a day, three times a day because the program quality is so high. You know, it's amazing when Greg Harris through the Bible is telling us about what's happening with satellite TV, especially in these uh, Arabic nations, these Muslim nations. Um, And it it really does continue to boil down to I know a guy. And, yeah. the, and a willingness to hear, you know, something that takes us out of our comfort zone, because I, I can't imagine. I mean, it, well, let's try to imagine Dr. McGee's still with us. Church of the Open Door. He's you know doing his Sunday sermon. It's being recorded. And it, then it goes out on the radio, which, of course, which is the, the new hit platform of the time. It's still here. But, you know, it's 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 splintered into so many different things. I think I remember one of the first times you and I met Greg, we were both working for different ministries at the time. Yeah. And and we were still in the hand cranked radio thing. And look at the yep. solar powered apparatus that we could get so the people out in the bush can do. I mean, it's amazing yep. how that and I'm not belittling that or decrying that, but we've come such a long way. 
because the whole goal wasn't about, oh, wow, we got these cool radios. It was how do we get the word of God into the hands of people, into the hearts of people, into the minds of people. And through the Bible still continues to be at the cutting edge of that. And I think when you and I had that meeting, and you're right, we were both serving different ministries at the time. I think we, we were, the, the smartphone would have may, maybe been just coming into the market and we probably were carrying flip phones or yes, things yes. like that. And so, yeah, at that time, and that's only been 10, 15 years ago. Um, but you, you made an important point, which is Dr. McGee started using the medium of radio in 1941. Mm. And, and if my facts are correct, that commercial radio was only introduced in this country in 1920. So, you know, we, we always in our lifetime think of radio as a, you know, it's been around forever, right? That's kind of how it, like it's this right. old medium. Well, to Dr. McGee, it was a it was only two decades old, and it showed that he was willing to use a, what was then a cutting edge medium. And so we're just doing the same thing, and and we we do believe we can't read his mind. He's in heaven right now. Right. We don't right. we don't get to ask him questions, but yeah, if you listen to him, you can tell he he was also media agnostic. He loved radio, but let's let's as uh, we always come back to this, flinging the seed. You know, the yes, word of God yes. is the seed, as Jesus said in the parable of the sower. And we're just flinging it in every way we possibly can. And satellite TV is a great way to do it. Well, one of the reasons why I encourage support for the ministry of Through the Bible is because of the many different aspects of the ministry, things that you might be passionate about and didn't know that Through the Bible was a part of. I encourage you to go to ttb.org and learn more and also find out how you can support this outstanding ministry with a tax-deductible donation, because obviously that's a part of the ministry as well. But it's also a part that really is organic because of the fact that God prompts the hearts, and it's not like Through the... Every time, like when someone signs up for the World Prayer League, you know, no, the World Prayer team is not yeah. going to then canvas you with all sorts of letters and, you know, free offers and bounce back emails. It's just, here's the daily prayer update. Here's yes. the weekly prayer concern, that type of thing. And and it's amazing how God uses those moments to uh, to speak to people to say, this is where you need to cast your bread, if you will. Yeah, and and back to the the famous phrase that Dr. McGee left the board of directors with shortly before he left this earth. He knew he was dying. He, he had cancer and he knew he was you know, not going to live a lot longer. And he said, play the tapes until the money runs out. Mm-hmm. And Im- implicit in that instruction, he had already embedded the, the, the into our philosophy. We don't solicit actively for funds and you you know you're you're soliciting more actively than we do like you you (laughs) can say that and and of course we let people know we need support Uh, we're you know we're listeners but like i tell people i have no access to the donor base i mean you know so roger if if you sent a gift in for a hundred thousand dollars please don't be offended if i don't know about it because dr mcgee didn't have access to the donor base my predecessor didn't and uh, you know, the, the idea is not that we don't appreciate it or we're not grateful. The idea is our philosophy is that's between you and God. Right. And you're, right. you're going to get a receipt and a nice pre-printed letter from me. But you're going to say, why didn't my friend Greg called me? I, I gave one hundred thousand dollars to the ministry. Well, because Dr. McGee said uh, we believe that's between you and God and we're not right. going to we're not going to get in between that. 
Yeah, there is no right-handed and left-hand department through the Bible. That's <laughs> exactly. for sure. And if and if there were, they wouldn't know what the other was doing. Uh, Greg Harris is with me today here on the Bottom Line Show, ttb.org. It's our monthly visit for uh, finding out what's happening with the ministry through the Bible. Greg, we've got a couple minutes left in our time together. It always goes by so quickly. Do you have a, a final letter or word of encouragement to share with us? Yeah, so I made reference to this uh, earlier in our time together, and it is this, that one of the things that God did that completely surprised us was we went into the Persian language. And what what we didn't realize is that the Persian is uh, is widely spoken in Afghanistan or understood. Mm-hmm. Now, the languages of Afghanistan are primarily Dari and, and Pashto. And uh, my understanding from our partners is that uh, many of the people of Afghanistan, about half, can clearly understand the Persian. So what started happening is uh, that these teams that we work with, they don't just do a broadcast. They do all social media, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. You know, they do WhatsApp. They do all these different platforms. Well, our uh, just our Persian television program the Facebook page has 109,000 followers. Wow. Uh, and a, a, a little bit, about 35 to 40% of them are from Afghanistan, hmm. which is just incredible. And so um, what I just want to encourage us all with in the limited time we have is to know that when we talk about a broadcast ministry, whether it's television or whether it's the distribution of content in tens of thousands of home groups, there there's a lot of face-to-face personal ministry taking place. Um, And and I'm looking at a report just from a few weeks ago um, that said in the last month, I, that is the, I'm not going to use the name of the person uh, who does the follow-up. I introduced two other needy Afghan believers to this brother, and he adds them into a Zoom meeting. So just like you Mm -hmm. and I are doing this on Zoom, Mm -hmm. they're doing follow-up in a very, very uh, high-risk situation and the people won't even show their faces on the Zoom call uh, yeah. because they don't want to be at risk. But just know that when when God leads you to do something, it, it almost always has bigger implications than what you could possibly imagine. Yes. When we started the Farsi or the Persian TV program. We're thinking, how do we reach Iran? And and then we find out that half our audience is in Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. that's pretty exciting. That really is. And it's great to hear that your prayers and your support are helping to make this possible and and that the word of God is alive and active and 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 that through the Bible, I always love the we talked about percentages earlier, talk about the parable of the seed and the sower. You know, I always try to remind people, well, don't be discouraged if only 25% of the seed that you sow, you know, takes root because that's the biblical answer. But I think you guys are messing up the curve for everybody else because it seems like it's way higher than 25%, which means now I'm like, great, I only get 5% because Greg and McGee and all those guys are taking 50. I mean, but <laughs> but that's okay. That's really okay because as long as people hear it and the word of God grows richly and deeply and produces that 160 and 30 fold crop. It doesn't matter who sows the seed. That's right. And, it uh, doesn't. And, and that, that is a, a, one of the many joys of serving it through the Bible is we're not pressured to produce results because we're not in the results producing business. God is, mm-hmm. we are in the word distributing business, flinging the seed. And, and Dr. McGee teaches that so clearly and so repeatedly mm-hmm. that, you know, our job is to get it out there. And, and the Holy Spirit really, it is his job to produce a fruit in people's lives. 
Powerful conviction and exhortation from Greg Harris today here on The Bottom Line, ttp.org. Greg is the president and CEO through the Bible, and it's always great to have these monthly visits. Greg, thanks for being with us today here on the program. Really appreciate the time. It's always a joy, Roger. Well, it's always good to have these dialogues, and I'm so grateful for the work that Greg Harris and the folks at uh, Through the Bible do uh, to spread the gospel into so many different languages through so many different mediums, of course, terrestrial radio, podcasting, video, television. It's very, very encouraging to see how the Through the Bible ministry uh, ministers to people. And uh, if we always have a link for Through the Bible Radio up at uh, thebottomlineshow.com. Um, I encourage you also to reach out and make a tax-deductible donation to show uh, your support for the ministry of Through the Bible. Now, I realize that uh, you know th- one of the hallmarks of Through the Bible is that they don't ask for money. I mean, there's a place on the website if you do uh, choose to make a donation where you can give a donation. Uh, you can mail in a contribution if you so choose. Um, you could do so on a regular basis. You could do so on uh, on a... A monthly do it you could do it for a uh, any way you want to really you can make it a memorial gift but make that donation if you want to just do it over the phone call 865 bible that's 800-652-4253 and let them know you hear the bottom line or you, that you hear through the bible on all of the affiliates that carry the bottom line show that you heard our monthly conversation with greg harris the good news is the good news in any language and it's good news for everyone who has ears to hear it That is good news, and that's the bottom line.